0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. And he goes and he describes things that we have read about in the Old Testament and even stories and, and examples that we don't read about in the Old Testament, saying the multitude's so great. And he begins the next chapter and he says, Therefore, since we are in, in, encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, He says, let us lay aside. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I'm reading from the modern English version Uh, in that passage. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. He informs us that there are sins, which, of course, obviously are things that are going to be burdens on us, that are going to distract, that are going to distort, that are going to disturb our advancement in the journey towards life, the way of God. And he also goes a step further and says that there's not only sins, but there are also weights, weights that can tear us down. It's with that concept, with that verse, that I want to bring to you this sermon series of unload, unload. Unloading those things which weigh us down. Unloading those things that can throw us off the path. I I believe that your intention, that your goal, that your hope is the same as mine. And that is that when life on earth is done, that we've made it. And that we hear the Father say, well done. That we make it to that place of eternity, that place of paradise, place of hope and wonder and peace and uh, life. But everything that would destroy, everything that would, would tear down, that would disrupt that, that would distort that, that would prohibit that, we want to get rid of. We're quick to say yes to that, but sometimes we don't take the time to really drill down and, and see what is actually What is actually messing us up? There's four things that I believe that Scripture gives to us, and over the next four weeks, we're going to deal with those four things. And this week, I want to take a moment and uh, deal with the first one. The four things in the four weeks to come are this. The first thing that we unload is stuff, getting stuff out of the way. The second week, we'll be looking at self, getting self out of the way. The third thing, we'll be looking at the influence of others, getting society out. Out of the way, and the final thing is our adversary, the enemy, the kingdom of hell, getting Satan out of the way. Those are going to be the four things that we're going to look at today. We're looking at stuff. If you are like me, you like stuff. There are things that you like. Um, I had a friend pass through town the other night and last week, and we were hanging out together. I, I pulled out some of my fine coffee and uh, made him some great coffee. Uh, he was asking me about, uh, I think it was a notebook, and I pulled out a great notebook that I that I use, and I had a couple extra uh, spare ones uh, for future use, and I pulled them out and I gave them uh, to him as well. Um, and he he goes, I'm seeing a pattern here. He says, I, I see that you you have some obsessions with certain little things, and you're you're really uh, intense on it, and you like nice things. Um, I do. I've got my i got my notebook here today. I, I, I love this notebook, and the reason why is um, it holds up well to ink, all different kinds of ink, fountain pens and other things. So this is probably not something that your normal person uh, would be concerned with. My wife uh, says sometimes that I can, I can be a little bit of a nerd, and uh, that's all right. But there are a few things that I really like. Um, I, I, I like good quality shoes. I, I don't like cheap shoes. I can't go to the thrift store. And, and buy somebody else's worn shoes because they've conformed to somebody else's foot. And so I will save up for a good pair of shoes, and I'll, I'll wear a pair out way past its lifespan uh, just because I like good shoes. I, I, I like good pins. There's certain things. We all have things that we like. For you, it may be a car. It may be a book. It may, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of things that you like. Uh, stuff. We all like stuff, and uh, that's Okay. Problem is when stuff gets in the way. Now, one of my mottos, if you've hung around me very often, is uh, I make my own coffee, and I think life is too short to drink bad coffee. I want good coffee or I want no coffee. I'll drink water, stuff. But stuff sometimes can get in the way. And in America, we live in a very uh, materialistic society. We have to face it. We live in a very materialistic society. We have a lot of technologies and advancements that uh, people just a few decades ago would mock and laugh at. Um, we, we get accustomed to certain things. Stuff, God is not against stuff. He's not against stuff. And I, I, and I don't want you to miss the point here. I'm not speaking against stuff. In fact, I'm highlighting some of these things to let you know that there are things that I like and they're okay, but stuff can get in the way. The Lord's not against stuff. In fact, in the Old Testament, one of his promises to Abraham was, Abraham, if you follow me and you trust me and you keep my word and my commandments, I will bless you. To the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, God says, hey, you're marching out. This is going to take a step of faith. But when you go, I'm I'm going to immediately bless you with stuff. And when they walked out of Egypt, their, their pockets were full of gold and silver. When they come into the promised land, After 40 years wandering in the wilderness, God says, I'm giving you cities you did not build, houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant. You are going to have houses that are furnished with things that you did not buy simply because you are following the ways of the Lord. So God is not against stuff. God many times blesses us with stuff. David said, I've been young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That provisions will come to the people of God. So we're not speaking against stuff. But let's take a look at at stuff when it gets in the way. I direct your attention to the book of Mark, chapter number 14. And this is a powerful passage of scripture. It's one that we're probably familiar with where we see the parable of the sower. He begins to sow good seed. Uh, the seed is good, but it's the soil that determines whether the seed is going to be able to germinate, find a place to spring forth and bring life. There were four different soil types that the sower sows the seed. And it's it's the one among the thorns that I want to draw your attention to. There was one on stony ground, one that fell by the wayside and the birds came and They grabbed it before it could even take root, before the seed could even get inside of the soil. Um, Then there was one that was sown among thorns, and then there was one that was sown in the good ground. The thorns is the one I want to draw your attention to because there's something interesting. When the Lord, after he gives the parable, goes back and expounds it to the disciples, he says in verse 18, and I'm, I'm reading here from the King James Version, he says, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as here, the word. And he says, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it, the seed or the word, becomes unfruitful or becometh unfruitful as it says here. The interesting thing about this is the Lord says that he sows the seed, and the seed takes root, and the seed is fruitful. He closes it out and says that later on it becomes unfruitful, meaning that it was at first fruitful. There's a season, there's a period of fruitfulness. The word takes root, and it becomes, un, it becomes fruitful, but then later it becomes unfruitful. And the thing that causes that, he says, is this. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. God's not against stuff. He's not against your stuff. He's not against my stuff. But what he is against and what I'm against in my life and what you ought to be against in your life is when stuff chokes out the life of the word. God uses the analogy... He says, he says that it's sown among thorns, that these are thorns in your life, these thorns that choke the life that God has given you. I don't want stuff, things, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, to choke out the life God has in me. A little litmus test that you can do for you on how much stuff controls you is when someone else has stuff that you don't have, how does it affect your spirit? How does it change your attitude? Do you become jealous? Do you become envious? Do you look down upon that person? When somebody has stuff and maybe it's just the simple blessing of life and blessing of are you excited for them? Or are you not able to participate in that excitement because you're envious until you have it? Do you then feel compelled that you now have to run out and you have to keep up? with everybody else and go out and get the same things. We have so much peer pressure and so much things in our life that distort, that choke, rather than just being able to enjoy life. Hey, if you like bad coffee and you're happy about it, God bless you. That doesn't mean I have to drink your bad coffee. If I like good coffee, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean that you have to like good coffee. It's stuff. It doesn't matter. It it, it, it is not important. What's important is life. What's important is our spiritual health. Don't let stuff be the thing that bogs you down and keeps you from what God has for you. So I'm encouraging you today to unload, unload the weight that besets you. Maybe stuff gets in your way. Maybe there are things that you literally need to say, hey, I need to let go of this. I, <laughs> I'm obsessing about this too much. This is keeping me. If, if stuff keeps you from church, if stuff keeps you from worship, if it keeps you from the Word, if it keeps you from prayer, then maybe you need to unload that. Stuff can take on different, uh, different manifestations. Uh, s- stuff can can be objects. It can be uh, in our world today. It can be, it can be something as simple as sports. It can be something as simple as a hobby. It can be uh, our entertainment. Uh, it can be these things. In fact, secular. Uh, 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 psychologists are even acknowledging how in America today we are literally amusing ourselves to death. Um, I've got several books in my library on this, how, how we are becoming so materialistic and we're so uh, greedy and lustful for things that even secular psychologists are saying this is not a good thing, this is not a good trend in our culture and our society. And uh, you see that and you ought to say hello the Lord talked about this. He, he, he talked about it. If we were to go just a couple of pages more in our Scripture uh, Bible to Mark chapter number 10, we, we could see here in Mark 10, uh, 17, where there was a rich young ruler that comes to the Lord. And the rich young ruler looks at Christ, says, Lord, I've kept all the law. And I'm excited about this. And uh, what, more, what more do I need to do? What do I lack? And the Lord looks at him and he says, one thing do you lack. And I always find it interesting because he tells him one thing do you lack, but then he gives him multiple things to do. Now, I know that Jesus can count. <laughs> I know that God can count. How else could he create the universe that that is uh, held together by scientific laws that we've discovered and even ones that we haven't discovered? How else can the universe operate unless the Lord knows all? So It wasn't an issue of the Lord not being able to count. What is is the Scripture saying? What is the Lord saying? Jesus tells him, one thing you lack. Look at what he says here in verse 21 of Mark 10. One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Now he gives him multiple things. Go thy way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And then he says, take up your cross and follow me. The one thing that he lacked was while he was keeping the law, he had yet to follow Christ. And to do that, he needed to take up his cross. But for him specifically, he was a rich man. He was a man that had many possessions. And Christ wasn't against his riches. Christ wasn't against his stuff. But his stuff was the thing that was going to get in the way of him following the Lord. And so Christ put him to the test and says, sell your stuff, give it to the poor. I want you to sell those things that you enjoy, and I want you then to give to the poor, and I want you to sit back, and now you're going to have to watch someone else enjoying your stuff and be okay with it. And if you can do that, you can follow me. So maybe stuff isn't your issue, but maybe stuff is your issue. The point is that at all costs, we must follow Christ. Whatever it is that keeps you from following Christ, you must unload it. You must lay it down. If if it'll keep you from prayer, then it'll keep you from following the Lord. If it'll keep you from opening up your Bible, it'll keep you from following the Lord. We don't have a time problem. We have a vision problem. When we say, I don't have time to pray, it's it's, it's not that you don't have time to pray. It's not that I don't have time to pray. It's that I failed to make time to pray. It's that I failed to make time for the things of God and the house of God and worship. We need to unload whatever it is that keeps us from the Lord. And so I challenge you today, I challenge you and I encourage you today to not just let your life be a custodian of junk. (laughs) We could probably go through uh, our, our houses and a lot of the stuff that we keep um, you know, we think, oh, I've got to have those things we've got to have uh, are things we don't really need. We don't really need. We're now three months, two months, let's say, removed from Christmas, and uh, it's a great time to go thrift shopping because uh, thrift stores are now uh, starting to uh, find those gifts that people received that they didn't like, that they didn't, weren't going to use, and they they've sat around the house for a little while, and now people are starting to unload. We are so blessed in many ways in America that we have more stuff than any other nation. More people than ever are uh, having to go out. Uh, We don't park in our garages because we have so much stuff. We don't uh, 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 utilize our sheds because they're full of stuff. We, We even go out and we have storage units upon storage units just for our stuff. Stuff that we don't really need. I'm not against... You parking in the driveway, I, I can only fit one car right now in my driveway. Not against you having storage units. That's not what God is against, but what we are against, what we do need to fight in our own personal life, what I've got to fight. So I've got to make sure that stuff doesn't get in the way. I'll take you to one more story, and I close with this. In Genesis chapter 23, I was reading through a few weeks ago, reading the Bible chronologically this year. We come to the story of Jacob and Esau. Of course, Jacob is known as a deceiver. He he tricks his brother, in a sense, uh, he tricks his father into obtaining the greater blessing and the birthright, but his brother, Esau, rightfully in desperation, foolishly, sells his birthright. Jacob didn't deceive his brother, but he did take advantage of his brother's weakness, but Jacob deceived his father. Jacob has a blessing, but it causes him to run. He runs out, and uh, he does have the birthright. He, he, he goes to uh, his uncle Laban, and there he has blessing, blessing in family, blessing and stuff. God blesses him. His herds are more blessed than, than Laban's herds, and when he leaves Laban, he has so much wealth. He has so much material. He has family now. He has servants. He has an entourage of people that are taking care of his livestock. And as he's journeying through, he's going to encounter his brother, whom he took advantage of. One, Jacob has guilt in his heart for it. Jacob comes to Esau. Esau, of course, is uh, dealt with hatred, bitterness against his family, against his brother. And Jacob comes to Esau who in his own right has a measure of blessing. And Jacob says, Esau, I want to give you all of this. I want to give you a measure of my blessing. And Jacob has a host of stuff to give to Esau, and Esau refuses. He says, I don't need it. And they, in a moment, they, uh, uh, they come together, and, and there is a, an amending of, of wrongs and feelings and forgiveness and a show of respect. And a reunion. It's quite moving when you read the story. But Jacob says, no, I want to give you these things. And Esau says, I don't need it. I don't want your stuff. And Jacob says, look, God has blessed me. And he's blessed me so much that I have more than I could ever use. And Jacob literally says in Genesis 33 and 11, he says, I take, I pray thee. He said, my blessing that is brought to thee because... God hath dealt gracious with me, and because I have enough. Jacob says, look, God has blessed me in my life. I've been blessed so abundantly. And he says, I have enough. Jacob came to this place in life where the blessings of the Lord keep pouring out on him. And he he says, look, God didn't just bless me so that I enjoy it. I have more than I can enjoy. And now I want to bless another I want to bless someone else. And he goes to those. You can say, well, he chose his family. He did. He chose someone that had been close to him, but sometimes your enemies are the ones that were once the closest to you. And he goes in this story, and Esau would have been seen as probably one of his greatest adversaries. And Jacob says, I want to bless them because I have enough. I hope that you and I can live our life understanding that I have enough. God's blessed me. God's blessed me. Wherever you're sitting today in your living room, in your car, wherever you're I hope you're not in your car uh, driving through the snow, but wherever you're at today, I hope you can say, you know what, God's been good to me. I have enough. I have all I need. I have all that, that I can use. And, and so when God blesses me more, it's okay. Be quick to give. Be quick to bless. Be quick to let stuff slip through your hands. Don't hold on to it with a death grip. Hold on to Christ. Hold on to the things of God. Paul said this, and I close. He said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10, that now at your last care of me hath flourished again. He said, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. And he says with confidence, after his confession of contentment, I can do all things. Through Christ, which strengtheneth me, he said, "I have learned contentment. Contentment is not going to come natural in our fleshly state. It's not going to be something that's automatic. We must learn it. We must choose it. We must be intentional. I'm content. I may not have everything I once have and had, and I, and I, I may not have everything that I desire, but I'm content. He's blessed me. I've been young. Now I'm old." I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. So I challenge you today to make a covenant covenant to say, God, I'm, I'm getting rid of stuff that's going to keep me from you. Nothing is worth your soul. Nothing is worth your family. Nothing is worth your walk with God. Unload it today. Let go of it. Amen. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, I thank you today for your blessing. I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the blessing of so many. There may be some that are here that have more than they could use, and there may be some that maybe the bills aren't actually getting paid, or we don't have enough. We could need some more. I pray that stuff would not be our obsession, that we'd understand that stuff is just a leverage in this life for us to be able to serve you and to worship you and to follow you. I ask that you do bless your people. I ask that you bless every person that trusts in you, every person that gives their life to you. And I know that you will because your word promises it so. Today let us covenant, not to let stuff get in the way. In fact, in our life, God, I want to put things aside and I want to put you first in front of everything. I want to put you first in all manner of material and all manner of wealth and all manner of money. We want to serve you. I know you're not asking to sell everything we have and give to the poor. But if you would, I pray, God, that you would.